Welcome to the Marketers in Motion podcast, powered by the West Michigan chapter of the American Marketing Association. Marketing is our passion, and as a chapter, we hope to inspire dialogue, fuel creativity, and create a community for marketers everywhere. Let the inspiration and dialogue begin. We're online at amawestmichigan.org and active on social media, where you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The national hub for the American Marketing Association is ama.org, where you can also find a chapter near you. The Marketers in Motion podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at amawestmichigan.org, where we encourage you not only to subscribe to our podcast, but review, ask questions, get involved, and engage with us. Hello, I'm your host, Josh Janoviak. Our topic today is pace layering. With the constant changing marketing technology, aka MarTech landscape, there are more options than ever available to businesses of all sizes for lead generation and engagement strategies. But with all these wonderful technologies available, there are strategies for selecting the right platform and understanding how these systems fit within your overall business technology systems. Today, we discuss the concept of pace layering, which provides a framework for businesses to organize and align MarTech systems with your business strategies. Understanding the concept of pace layering will help your company make timely and strategic business decisions with selecting MarTech systems. We'll discuss key components of pace layering, how to apply it to your business, and examples of how other businesses have utilized this concept. I'd like to welcome our co-host today, Marcy Palmer. She is the Vice President of Membership at the West Michigan AMA. Hello, Marcy. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me today. Also worth noting, you are the Director of Tech Talk Programming and Logistics. Yes, that sounds great. I just made that title up. <laughs> I like it. I like Do you it. have an official title? Because you handle our Tech Talks, I which do. is different than our signature lunch yeah. series of presentations. Yeah. Just VP of membership. Yep. I just offer the Tech Talks are just part of a um, valuable um, membership benefit. So... Um, no special title with it. Just do a lot of coordinating around the tech talks to really create dialogue with ma- amongst members about marketing technologies. So. Okay. Well, let's meet our guest, Mike Simon. He is the founder and CEO of Dig. Mike, hello and welcome. Thanks for your time. Hi, Josh. Hi, Marcy. Great. Thanks for having me. So you are online at dig.solutions. And do we put the .com after that? Where did the com go? No, no.com. Our dot solutions uh, is our dot com. It's uh, one of the new domain names, um, but it's 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 commonly asked. So I'm glad you did ask that. Dig is is new, correct? Dig is brand new. Uh, we uh, dig. It was myself um, consulting for the last year in uh, May of last year. I started my own practice and uh, January uh, of this year, we started as a company. I have a partner. His name is Nate Smith. Currently, we're a team of eight people, um, but we're growing rapidly. Dig's a full-service agency. We've really taken kind of the best of a, a full-service technology company and a full-service agency and really combined into what we call a, a full-service solution provider all around digital marketing services. So anywhere, anything, including from web development to CRM implementation to email marketing and then all the uh, user experience, messaging, and creative that would go along with that. Excellent. One of the common themes that we talk a lot about a lot in our podcasts and um, with a couple of the, the past podcasts was just not what you do and how you do it, but the why of what you do. What would you say is your your why at DIG? Great question. Um, <clears throat> really, the, the reasoning for kind of uh, 
really adding two companies together, a marketing agency and a tech company, is if you look at um, the user journey from the moment that we um, interact with a prospect or a stranger all the way to creating them into a customer, there's obviously a lot of a marketing and, and messaging and very strategic campaigns that are going to go to nurture that user through. But there's also this technology foundation that has to support that. And we really saw an opportunity in the marketplace um, where we wanted to be a, a single provider for our clients. So um, kind of a Stephen Cubby um, quote that our circle of influence was stronger, whereas we can tr control all aspects of the, of the project. And so we can provide the technology infrastructure and then the presentation, the marketing that goes on top of that. The why for that is reporting, uh, being able to measure the data, measure the conversions at the, the different steps, identifying the KPIs and really controlling that and being able to present our clients with a, a single dashboard of how their campaign's performing, how their marketing's performing, where we're, where we're tweaking things and where we're improving things. So it's, it's what we think is kind of the new way to do marketing. Um, technology is really not an afterthought anymore. It's, it's part of what we do. So we have to kind of create a new company to support it. Marcy first brought up the topic of, of pace layering, and I had no idea what she was talking about. Let's define pace layering and then tell us how you got into this whole concept. Most people don't know about pace layering. Um, I didn't know about it until a conference that I was at last fall. Um, it was uh, the Michigan Marketing and Technology Conference. There's a speaker from HubSpot um, named Scott Brinker um, who talked about it, and it was uh, the pace layer concept or strategy was um, developed by the Gartner Group. So it's a Gartner-approved strategy. It fascinated me because it's um, getting back to the why of DIG. It really is the intersection between marketing and technology, and it really helps establish a what I'd call a common framework where marketing and technology can interact and kind of set the playing field for, you know, marketing operations and, and, uh, and stuff like that. Marcy had introduced me recently to Gartner and the Gartner report. So what exactly is that? The Gartner organization is a, has been around for many, many years. It is, they are considered kind of the, the, the single source for unbiased, uh, information on, and anywhere from software comparison, software selection. So if you are looking at a new ERP system, um, or a new content management system, and you want to see, you know, how does Sitecore compare to Sitefinity? You can actually purchase reports from Gartner Group. They are um, unbiased. Uh, they uh, provide really good um, technology uh, advice and counsel uh, from a really unbiased approach. Uh, they don't really have a dog in a fight. They're not pushing, you know, Microsoft versus IBM, and they really help companies, or they help provide a lot of companies content with where technology is headed, what are some of the new initiatives that you as a CIO need to be concerned about, and then how do you, you know, how do you prepare your organization for that? So they're really kind of considered the, the ultimate source for, you know, what's on the horizon and how to do things today. Well, Marcy, you want to add to that? Yeah, I just, you know, that's one of the reasons as a marketing manager, I refer to the Gardner um, reports when looking for, you know, there's just thousands of marketing technologies out there and trying to identify which ones were, you know, the, the best or the right. better systems in, in an unbiased, um, you know, wanted some unbiased feedback. So that's that was the first time I had referred to them and have referred the, the you know, 
the reports to others right. and gardener to others for the same reason. So right. it's been a, it's been a great tool. I do know that you have to, if you have a software product and you want gardener to consider it, you do have to um, throw a little throw some money paid, It's pay to play, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. it's pay to play. You're not going to get in a gardener yes. report for free. Yeah. So yes. they're not maybe 100% unbiased. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. For the systems that they do rate, you know, even if you're... Uh, if you're Sitecore and you want to go up against Sitefinity um, and you're going to pay your money, if Sitefinity's the you know score's a little higher, they're going to report on that. So, so would it be fair to say there are like the consumer reports of the Martech? Yeah. Yeah. Sector. Yeah. No, well, not only Martech, somewhat... but all of IT. All of IT. Oh, okay. Project. And this is also another common theme that's come up in a lot of our luncheons over the year is just the number of technologies are out there. We will put links in the show notes to some of your presentation slides. And I think uh, one of your slides here is showing all those technologies or at least a snapshot of them. Yeah, it's a pretty, I think um, folks in the marketing industry would recognize this graphic. It's very common, we love it. It's grown in the last four or five years, but it's essentially a collage of the brands and logos that compose the the MarTech uh, landscape. So anywhere from, you know, MailChimp to HubSpot, um, Zapier, WordPress, everyone's going to be represented in this graphic. And the takeaway here is over time, every year, this graphic gets more and more crowded uh, and more and more overwhelming for the consumer, um, is, which is essentially what kind of pulled Gartner Group into looking at MarTech systems as a, as a, as a component to technology. Okay. Which is what sparked my interest. Yeah, and that's really what has driven the, the tech talks here in AMA West Michigan is just looking at that landscaping, helping marketing um, you know, managers really understand what's out there and how to, how to make some selections that are valuable for their businesses. So surely there has to be a strategy for finding out just which one or which few of these would work for all of your needs, correct? Yeah, you could... Put it up on a wall and throw a dart at it. Um, Maybe it, hopefully it something is, a little more focused. And... It is overwhelming. And at Dig, we we guide uh, our customers through um, making these kinds of decisions. And so I've actually been through this with clients. And prior to um, going understanding what a pace layer uh, strategy does, I've seen kind of where a selection process can go sideways. In fact, uh, on my way over here today, I was sharing with a client what I was about ready to go do, and I was pulling up this uh, presentation to show them. And this was um, the client that we had gone through a selection process about a year before I knew what a pace layer was. And some of the, you know, the reasons why a pace layer strategy, the benefits, the value that it provides, we didn't have uh, in our uh, at our wheelhouse at the time. And you know, it the selection process took a lot longer than it did. And, and her and I both laughed that, you know, had we known this um, back then, uh, things would have been uh, a little bit smoother um, uh, than, than, they, than they ended up happening. So uh, it was a funny little story, um, but it's essentially why, you know, Gartner Group kind of pulled into this and said, we gotta, we gotta help people figure out a, a better way to approach MarTech, because it can be overwhelming. So let's talk about using a pace layer strategy. How how do we do it? How does the customer journey look? Where does it start? What is the process? Let's dive into it all. all right. Let's do it. So the uh, first I'll read kind of the Gartner 
technical definition of what the pace layer strategy is. So it's a methodology for categorizing, selecting, managing, and governing applications to support business change, differentiation, and innovation. So essentially what this is, is um, and in the slides, if for a visual, there's a, a triangle. If you picture at the top of the, the triangle, that's where all your innovation should take place. That's where you're experimenting. That's where you're trying different things. And as you make your way down the triangle, to your foundation, um, that is where things should not change as much. And that's what they call your, your systems of record. So commonly a systems of record is going to be an MRP system or an ERP, uh, an accounting package, or maybe an elaborate custom platform um, that a company has had. As you make your way up the uh, pyramid, the next uh, section is the systems of differentiation. And this is where you're using software and product and uh, marketing technology to do things differently than your competition, to do things outside of what your, quote, systems of record uh, software may support. Um, and these systems will change less frequently. Um, and as you go above that to the top of the pyramid, we have your systems of innovation. Um, as mentioned, this is your experimental, this is kind of your sandbox. This is where you want to try different things to experiment and to be comfortable when you're, when you're talking with IT that, that you're going to live up here as a marketing person and IT is going to live down in the systems of record and they should be okay with that and allow you to kind of try out different products and, you know, use different, you know, pieces of technology. I wanted to ask you, you'd mentioned something in the Tech Talk about this, just the differences between um, the technology and the IT departments um, and the marketing and the digital marketing teams and the differences between the two. So if you can. Yeah. So us as marketing folks, we want to move fast. We want to be dynamic. We want to constantly be um, optimizing. And this involves changing. Um, IT is the exact opposite of that. Um, IT does not like change. They fear it. And even from a company standpoint, com companies change very slowly and it's okay. You know, we can't change that. But what the uh, pace layer strategy does is let us operate in a framework where it kind of divides up where marketing is at and where IT is at. The other aspect to that is the data component. Data is very, it's a very sensitive topic today. Um, depending on who you're, what, business or what industry the business is in. The data may be um, just general contact information. If you're healthcare or um, any type of specialty service like that, it may be very personal and, and something you have to protect. So the other big value um, with the pace layer strategy is organizing your data. That is very sensitive today. And if you make your way up the pyramid, you know, in a way you're using less and less data, less and less customer data, or less and less prospect prospect data. And this is something that an IT team is going to appreciate and ultimately keep things more safe and secure in the long run. As far as the, the systems of innovation, you have marketers that live there. You have IT that lives down in the records. So then who lives in the systems of differentiation or is it kind of a mix of more marketing and IT clash? So that, that it, sometimes it's where they clash, <laughs> um, but usually in a good way. 
But, but oftentimes, these may be MarTech systems that, that an IT department deploys. So they're, they still fit that subscription model. They, are still, they still need to be governed. Um, you still need to understand what kind of data you're putting in them. But usually, these may be a Zapier product, like a middleware um, system that connects other systems. Oftentimes, you may see some automation software um, that may exist here that's connecting things that marketing's doing with the the uh, systems of record content management or contact management system. But oftentimes, it is kind of a shared DMZ zone <laughs> um, where they'll both interact um, and and kind of divide up responsibilities from there. Just a couple of examples of some different systems that are in each space. So systems of innovation on top, specific applications. I know social media channels, um, but also says tools. And you mentioned MailChimp. What are some other common applications that are in that top of the pyramid? Uh, systems of innovation, I'd put you know most of your AdWords, um, most of your awareness. If you look at um, what's really cool about the Pace layer strategies, you can line it up next to a our typical marketing funnel and they're they're inverse of each other. So at the top of the pace layer strategy where marketing lives is also the top of the sales funnel. Um, from, from an, so you all the products and technologies that you usually use in awareness driven campaigns. So you put your social media tools, your, your uh, paid media tools. You're also going to put in um, some of the products that you may be use for A-B testing. You're going to use optimization tools there. You may use personalization tools from a website that allows for a different personalization experience on a website. That's actually a really good example of a systems of innovation where without a pace layer strategy, that's going to be a very hard conversation to do in a lot of in a large enterprise, meaning you know, touch the website in a way that I'm gonna uh, provide personalized messaging for a, a web user without really involving IT. I mean, that can, that can be a scary thing for, for some people or for some organizations. Hotjar, you know, I would put up there, that's something that you're not, you know, doesn't really differentiate you from anyone else. It's not definitely not systems of record, but it provides a lot of insight and innovation to, you know, what your users are doing. A uh, few others, you know, there's there's products like HubSpot that it would probably straddle all three of these platforms. So sometimes it could be feature or functions within a larger system. Again, though, this is where your blog is going to live. This is where, your, as I mentioned, your social channels, a lot of your landing pages um, or sections of your website. However, the, the, the website, the content management system could live in a systems of differentiation. And, and again, part of like all things technology and marketing, there is no one answer. So where MailChimp could live as a systems of innovation for one client, for another client, it has been in place for five years and it is a systems of differentiation. So it's it's really a process of not where one will fit all the time. I mean, there's some some logical ones. I think Hotjar would you know always be a systems of innovation. Um, but for, for different, each company is different and how they use systems are different. Like I mentioned, HubSpot's a perfect example. There are, um, organizations where HubSpot is just in the systems of innovation, um, section, um, and ultimately the functionality that's available with a product like HubSpot, it could live in all three. So that's why it's a process that an organization should at least do once a year or once a new technology comes online. You mentioned HubSpot touching all three. 
Also in the tech talk, it was mentioned that Salesforce, some of those others might also dabble in all three and be able to do all of these things. Is there any one system that would really do everything well, or is it you kind of need to pick a base system and then build off of it? Or maybe that maybe that's the next part of the strategy here where in starting to execute your pace layer strategy, that's where you're piecing those things together. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's kind of three questions in one. Yeah, sorry. No, I'm it's, rolling it's great. I can't stop talking. <laughs> I can see the smoke. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So it's it's what often happens is when you do a pace layer, it's a, it's a you know it's a, it's a conversation with the IT and it's a documentation phase, right? Oftentimes, it surfaces holes or uh, opportunities to improve things from a software standpoint. In terms of, is there one system that does them all well? Um, that is really going to be up to the the actual business and and what they need. I do I will say. Ha- Going through a pace layer first and then doing a software a selection process is ideal because it helps kind of put blinders on or helps you really focus on exactly what you're looking to um, replace or, or look to, to purchase and, and put blinders on to kind of keep away all the noise getting back to that, lar- that crowded landscape of MarTech. Because what happens today is, is systems, MarTech software is coming out with more and more features. They're constantly releasing new features. MailChimp five years ago was just send off in a single list. Now you can do automated campaigns. Um, you can you know, do a little bit of lead scoring and it does so much more than it did a few years ago. So what happens is you can start the, for example, we uh, worked with a client where the goal was to replace their CRM. So we looked at, you know, a lot of the different CRMs in the MarTech space. There were small companies who so we were looking at SMB products. And every single product that we looked at did other things beyond CRM. And what happened is when you start then analyzing the, or those other feature functions, and so it's like it, you you start losing losing track of the whole reason that you're going through the selection process. So we always advise our clients, if you're looking for a new CRM, we're going to pick the best CRM product that we find that fits your needs to a T. It doesn't matter how well it handles email, even though it has email functionality. And it doesn't matter how well it handles accounting, and even though it can do a little of accounting. If if we need a new systems of record and it's a CRM, that's exactly what we're going to look for. And those blinders help us keep off everything else because we know our systems of innovation is mail you know mailchimp's up there he's handling um or he mailchimp's <laughs> handling the um the email so we don't need to you know go through the evaluation of the feature functions of the crm's email um because very few products really do one thing anymore i think um you know there's zapier is probably a good example of one that really um you know is, is just a connector and that's it but even some of the other products, when you get into CRMs, you know they're doing they're also doing email automation. They're also doing a little bit of lead scoring. They can do workflows. They can even um, this one CRM that I looked at that wasn't HubSpot, you know, had landing pages. The ability to spin up a landing page. Um, it's very easy to get sidetracked and kind of go down a rabbit hole if you start then analyzing that landing page feature. So part of it is understanding what's the best fit for for an individual client, and then also being comfortable with not using every feature. There was definitely 
dating myself going back 10 years with the whole enterprise software that, you know, every consultant would tell you if you have one platform, that is the best scenario, one platform that can handle everything. Um, you get better reporting, you get better data, everyone's trained on the same system, but you're actually now seeing that um, starting to move the other way where, you know, segmented or fragmented systems that are connected is is okay and it's okay to not use every single feature or not trying to have one or two platforms to have many platforms and in fact getting back to the whole pace layer foundation was um even with small companies that we all work with today you know the amount of martech subscriptions that they have it can be in the double digits when you go into large brands and the you know the global 1000 they're literally in having hundreds maybe even a thousand different subscriptions from IT to marketing with all these different with all these different platforms. So, you know, it's okay to kind of, you know, so now the trend is is kind of let's use the best of breed for that particular component. Everything's open these days and we can connect it. So we're there's there's no double data entry or anything like that. And so it's it's interesting because you're seeing kind of a seismic or a big shift in the IT community from no, we don't need to use all one system. We can kind of we've got all these products in the cloud. Um, let's use a lot of them, but, you know, let's use them in an organized framework, you know, hence the pace layer. Yeah, I just find it interesting. Just it's difficult from a marketing manager's perspective to have so many different systems that you're using from the standpoint of, you know, they're all interconnected. And obviously it adds a whole lot of complication. One goes down, one's not working. Yep. This isn't working. That isn't working. You got all these passwords. You right. get training for each one. They're so so complex um, to to maintain those different systems. That you know, I think it makes it really difficult and, and and more complicated and and maybe even less efficient from a marketing manager's perspective to try and manage all those systems. Right. And so, for me, I, I have a hard time getting my hands or my head around having so many. And I think that's maybe why we all are, you know, kind of, okay, let's find one that can do most of everything we need. And so right. I guess a question for you is, I mean, do you find that you go into projects with clients where, you know, okay, yes, we have MailChimp and yes, we need a CRM. Uh, I mean, we need a CRM, but we have MailChimp too. And we have this, these three other systems. Can we look for something that can do you know, these, all these things, and maybe it's one system, or do you just find that's not we the trend? Look, we tend to look through the lens of what's the best, best of what's the best product um, in that category, and then what is going to then fit them, fit the best with the client. Um, having a, you know, we're, so Dig, it, quick disclaimer, Dig's a channel partner in HubSpot. Uh, we're also a channel partner with Salesforce, so um, we are a little bit biased in that regard. I'm a big fan of, of HubSpot and systems that really, that, that handle a lot of the sales funnel um, for better reporting and for easier training. Um, it's easier to spin new people up. Um, but for some, but a lot of it is, so to answer your question, Marcy, there's, we have different answers for every different mm -hmm. scenario, um, whether it's a solution mix, uh, a product mix, or, um, leveraging what they have and just you know having kind of go through the base layer strategy like i said sometimes that surfaces hey we've we've got a big hole we're not doing email very well um but it you know it is it is a, a challenge for companies even if you think about the um when there's turnover of people especially in large companies and we had this with a client where 
you know, the the person who essentially had all the subscriptions, all the the not only the administrative accounts, but actually knew of all the products that they were using, you know, left the company. And it was, you know, it's, it was, it's a big scramble because things weren't organized, they weren't documented, and they weren't in this paste layer format that helped, you know, so they didn't really know, you know, how much data was in this system and how much data was in the other system where they exposed any vulnerabilities. So it was, it became a scary thing, which is in which it shouldn't have been. Right. And I think the, to getting back to your question about the, um, recommending new systems we we want to always we advise our clients that let's try and move fast with the software um and sometimes that's a to move fast is going with those lighter packages those lighter platforms that just do one or two things really well as opposed to this six month you know data crm implementation project to get some email functionality um but it varies during the the tech talk we did mention that at one point when you start this process, one of the things in the breakout session that we did was trying to get an idea for how many different systems that we have in place, how many tools. So I was trying to think of like, okay, we've got MailChimp and we've got WordPress and we use this and we use that and trying to get that number together. You had also mentioned that there was a tool that would audit your systems to let you know if they were being utilized. Does that sound familiar? I yes it does and I don't, I don't know the name of the system off um, offhand but there are systems that um, will go through and, and help you uh, because that's the other aspect of it we t- we talk about turnover and, and all the work going to to change administrative accounts but there's also a cost you know it's really easy to um, in large corporate corporations for someone that has a corporate credit card all of a sudden it's 50 bucks a month and it's a hundred bucks a month and you know, a thousand times in every month, and you know, the, you know how these things work. If if you never shut them off, they they never stop billing. So, um, I think that's something that we can probably follow up on the um, uh, on the notes here. But there are platforms that help you say when's the last time you logged into it, how active are you in it, and it's kind of a a scan of Martech systems based off the emails that you would commonly use to subscribe to those accounts yeah definitely if we can get that in the show notes that would be a great link and and resource to have because you think about in an organization like ours we have numerous different departments that may have all these different pieces and if somebody stops using one or somebody leaves and there's turnover there then you still may have these systems that are out there that nobody even knows about that happens very common what happens a lot too is they have you have competing systems so you know, marketing's got uh, MailChimp and uh, customer service has constant contact. And they're both firing off emails. You know, you're paying money for both. Um, and it's and it's just, you know, it's a waste. So you start out with an inventory of what you have. Then you sit down and you map out your goals, what you're looking for technology-wise. You go through, you try to match up all of these different systems. What is the best way to move from the marketing aspect of it, what is the best way to be on the good side with IT? Okay. And then also budget-wise, how do you wrap that into the whole equation when trying to get to your end goal with your new systems? Right, it's a good question. Um, so you definitely need a counterpart 
um, in IT or representing technology. In smaller organizations, this could be the owner of the company, the CEO. You know, for mid to larger size organizations, this is actually going to be an IT's representation. Because again, the underlying, if nothing else, no other value happens with a pace layer um, strategy. It is really, if you can sit down with IT and categorize all the different software and platforms that you guys are running into a pace layer format, in and itself is valuable because you've established a common ground rules that you can uh, interact with with IT on. From a budget standpoint, when you look at starting from the bottom of the pyramid with systems of record, those are going to be capital expenditures. So those are going to be large investments. Those are something that a company is usually going to have planned in a five to ten year, um, you know, business uh, budget. And as you move your way up the the pyramid, that is where you're generally going to be able to move things faster, and where you may see a lot more money that is that is used from a department standpoint. But in terms of how the budget's allocated, you know, normally let's say the the bottom it gets all the money but the so it, it all balances out in the end because the bottom of the funnel is going to get most get more money but use it less frequently and the top of the uh, pyramid will get a little bit will usually get less money from a budget standpoint but it's going to be using it monthly or at least using it annually interesting and i will say the graphics that we'll put from the presentation here on the show notes really illustrate this with the way that you have the inverted funnels with the sales funnel and the pace layer funnel and then also as we were just talking about the internal and IT communication and how the systems and how marketing how much marketing is in how much IT is in and where those kind of intersect I'm a very visual person so this helps thank you yeah you bet. <laughs> just a real quick question for you um, Mike I'm curious to know how often or, or when you're working with organizations are usually brought in by the IT department or by the That's marketing department and how how do you kind of navigate those relationships in a company Mike it's I, never been IT it's either okay. marketing or the c-suite um, at the organization that and it's you know it's one of those things where they don't they don't reach out to us to have a pace layer strategy developed it's usually well we you know we went through uh, this process with a large organization and it was literally just to document i mean the 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 goal of the project was to document everything into a uh, a pace layer just so they knew of all the different platforms that everyone was using they wanted to make sure there weren't redundant systems um and you know it it was valuable to them because now if they say hey we're gonna we're gonna do this type of campaign or this type of marketing project they have kind of this list of all the technology that's available to them at the different at the different sections um so they can move very fast into implementing um but that's a good question i think it you know <laughs> it is is living in that down there in that the systems of record it, I've never seen an IT person or department that hasn't appreciated and loved this because it gets everyone on the same page and it's kind of a way of them recognizing the fact that they don't want to be in your space and in, and usually they don't want any part of ours. So we're not, they don't usually contact us, but they're stakeholders uh, in these engagements and they're usually one of the ones that seem to appreciate it the, more when, the most when we're done. Good question. Awesome. Yeah, I could see that happening. When you talk about finding the, instead of doing one system that kind of does everything well, 
finding all the different systems that do everything just how you want them. How difficult is it to get those systems to talk to each other? Do they all talk to each other? And how do you Good question. work around that? Well, I'd be very careful to say they all integrate with each other, but most of the or most of the popular kind of mainstream systems, MarTech systems, the common ones that we all use today, and of course our favorite product, Zapier, um, you can provide a level of integration. I joke and, and say sometimes with uh, smaller clients, we build a kind of a poor man's HubSpot, um, but you literally can um, with uh, WordPress and MailChimp or Constant Contact, Zapier, and then some type of CRM. Um, you know, that is another huge benefit of MarTech Technologies is that most of them have an open API and they're very open to integrating with other systems. But getting back to what we keep talking earlier, it is definitely for, you know, some clients, the best feature, the best product for that particular sector or uh, functionality that they're looking for may be an all-in-one product. Um, you know, if, uh, if you're evaluating uh, workflows and need some email automation and nurturing, um, you know, HubSpot could be a, a really good contender because it does it really well versus some of the ones that are just pure um, email automation tools. So, so yeah, most systems have very open APIs and, um, and it's, and it is pretty easy to integrate them and, and kind of make an enterprise system out of a bunch, you know, several different products. And, and I see that trend continuing. From a marketing management um, position, you know, there is... I sometimes feel a little nervous about going into some of those marketing, those innovative um, systems alone. I mean, I have limitations on the IT side. I'm not, I'm not an IT person. Obviously, I've learned a lot about IT. And as we all do in our professions these days, you, you, you know, you have to get right. tech savvy, right? Because yeah. everything is built around technology today. But there does come a certain point where, you know, I feel like I'm hitting a little bit of a wall or entering into a place from a technology perspective. I'm a little out of my comfort zone. How do you advise marketing managers to move from that space, especially in those innovations? Just go for it and learn by experience or, you know, how do you recommend then engaging IT from this? Yeah, just that's enough, a really good just enough that you can go, hey, I, I, you know, I don't want to get into something I'm not. It's a really good question, with. too. And um, there's a couple of products out there that specifically I think you need to be a, a programmer to develop and to make work well. Um, it's and, it, and that's when you get in the kind of no man's land where it's a it's a a system of innovation or at least it should be it's all marketing marketing owns it but it's too technical for marketing to use um best case scenario is to you know have usability and and training as part of your selection process that should be a big component on the scorecard uh, when you go through that but oftentimes we you know, that's perfect world. Oftentimes IT is always picking software or, you know, getting back to that very crowded Mar MarTech landscape graphic, you just make the wrong decision. You know, it, uh, the, the demos look good. <laughs> the, the videos that you watch look good and you download it. And now you're on your own. Um, so the, as I mentioned, the ideal state is to not be in a situation where you need IT to help you. You may be in a good organization that can loan out their IT person or, they, or they're nice and they're just going to help you. But it's really putting you in then a situation where you're not going to be able to move fast ever because um, IT is just not going to move fast. They're risk adverse as they should be. Um, and we want to. We don't want to take risks, but we want to be dynamic and, and try different things. So it's something to avoid. I think if you're in that situation and 
to get out of it. <laughs> um, I, we helped a client go through the exact same scenario where it was um, implemented by an individual who had a really good knowledge of it. That individual left and no one could use it. Um, and they had a lot invested in it, you know, handled all their emails. It had a lot of reporting, a lot of data in it. And it was their customer CRM as well as their marketing CRM. But for us to do any type of movement, for us to build out a new workflow, for us to do anything was just a science experiment. And, to, and, and hours of education and the tech support was out of India. And it was just it was just a nightmare. So even though it was painful, it was a it was a bigger project. They weren't anticipating on moving new systems. Um, you know, we advised them to do that. They listened to us. We moved forward and, you know, kind of. You got to rip off the bandaid and, and, but you know, once you do it, it, it gets better because, because, but it's a really important question. You, you know, the usability of these MarTech systems, if you can't use it or it's too technical or you need someone technical on staff to use it and you don't have someone technical, it's, it's just not going to be a good platform for you. Are there certain questions that we would be asking that might help us to dive a little deeper than just the demos and what oh, we're seeing in a sales presentation? That's another good question. Um, just, I mean, the support model of any software, I think, is something that you have to explore. How, how is it a ticket that you send? And how, what's the response time on tickets? Is it billable? Is it part of the package? Um, HubSpot, for example, has excellent support. You know, you're going to get an answer via email in 24 hours if you need to talk to someone you can. And there's never any fee with it. Um, and, and they're um, very responsive. The platform that I was looking at before was horrible response, you know. If, um, but ultimately, we're dealing with people. Some people are scared to death of Microsoft Excel. Other people love it. So it's, it's all what you're comfortable with. Um, I will say that a good um, indicator of how good the support is, if their support model is sending you to a user form, they're... I, you know, that's a low score for me versus having real life humans that are uh, experts uh, in the system and can answer your system on the spot. Or a perfect scenario is one that has both. But if they're, if, you know, asking a system what their support is and if it's, well, you know, we have a very active user group and you're sure your question's in there somewhere, um, that's ultimately you're going to, that's going to require a lot of work to use that system. You can kind of tell from that. Are there any differences since some of the dynamics of marketing with frequency and response and setting up automated emails from the B2B to B2C side of things? Are there certain tools that are better for B2B and B2C or are all of these technologies is easily compatible in both of those sectors? They're definitely the, the first. Again, there's there's so many different platforms that there's a lot of, I mean, if you look at shopping cart specifics, there are so many different shopping cart add-on platforms that you can get for almost any flavor of shopping cart system, whether it's a kind of a coupon, whether it's a little sweepstakes, whether it's a shipping module that allows you to do, you know, international shipping or internet, you know, there's a, I should say international currencies. There's so many different add-ons. You look at the Magento, Magento is a very popular shopping cart system run by, you know, mar lit large to mid-size um, stores, Payless Shoe Stores is on uh, Magento. And it's a bad example. Like, they're going out of business. <laughs> um, they started that sooner. <laughs> but Magento alone has a whole ecosystem of, um, you know, partner systems that you can add on to and it really expand the functionality to do everything that you want. Um, moreover, if you 
maybe a couple of years ago, I think, to Josh answer your question, there were less, you know, it was, it was a little bit less specific to the B2B or B2C. I definitely think there's strategies and um, that work better than B2B to B2C, which will naturally lead you into a platform. Okay. For example, I don't think HubSpot would be a good fit for a shopping cart system. Um, they're, you know, having said that, there's probably someone out there killing it, the shopping cart, <laughs> right. but you know, B2C with HubSpot behind it. But you know, HubSpot is known as a B2B inbound marketing platform. It's not something that you'd normally see in a very, you know, shopping cart website with where you want a lot of high frequency, you know, Amazon.com style. Okay. So we talked about what the pace layer strategy is, how to develop the pace layer sta- strategy, um, Wrapping it all up, I mean, long-term value, what is, what's what's the benefit at the end? Yeah, like I said, I think the, the biggest benefit, there's nothing else that happens. It's really getting an IT representative, which again, maybe the CEO or the owner of the company, into a meeting to sit down and just organize. It's almost like disaster recovery, right? You don't need to do it all the time, but you should at least go through and say, okay, what is our plan if this happens? And uh, so if nothing else, it's really just organizing the systems um, in a logical way that establishes a framework for us to have natural demarcations between where is marketing's responsibility from a software tech standpoint and where is IT's responsibility from a tech standpoint. Um, a CEO or business owner is going to, I think, probably have a lot of value in having this done to really recognize where... Um, in a way, provide comfort to say, okay, this is my, this is the system that, you know, is my ERP and this is what, you know, I, I really care about and, and here's the investment path for that. Um, but I want to do these other things and I know they're not going to touch this and that's okay. You'd be surprised of how many business leaders are, you know, get concerned about that data component. So if you can kind of almost eliminate that concern. It should probably be revisited every year um, or as systems change. But that's the big takeaway is a common framework that's going to allow IT and marketing to talk together. It's something that's definitely going to provide a lot of value with you going down a a software selection process and really just helping you organize the MarTech systems that you have before it gets to a point where it's, it's unmanageable. And I would suppose just saying, you know, getting that quantity quality of data that can be analyzed and you can adjust as you move forward. Absolutely. Yep. Mike, how many systems is too many? Huh. Well, according to Gartner, there, there, as long as you have a base layer strategy, there's no systems that are too many. Now, I think that's an you know, impossible question to answer with one answer, but I, you know, I, I was um, talking with someone the other day and if you, you know, like some picked like a large company like a General Motors or Ford and imagine all the MarTech and subscription-based platforms that they have, not only in the MarTech space, but also getting into the IT space and, you know, ticket management and asset management. And, um, you know, this is how software is being delivered these days. Um, And as I said, I don't think there is as much of a, um, this corporate strategy of using one system and so you're, you're seeing people embrace many different systems. And I think as long as you do it in an organized way that, you know, you should embrace it and, and uh, there is no limit to answer your question. Good question, Marcy. Yeah, yeah it, was, question. it was a tough one. <laughs> I think we did a pretty good recap of, and, and a, a deep dive into some offshoot topics from the Tech Talk. 
Is there anything that we missed, Mike, on your end or any other points that you want to? No, not on the pace layer. I feel like I've uh, talked a lot about it. Um, it, was, it was great chatting with you guys about it, though. Marcy, it. any other yeah, questions? Yeah, no, this has been you? great. Thanks, Mike, for introducing the concept, not only to AMA West Michigan members, but now nationally. Um, for others who may not be aware it's of exciting. this strategy, yeah, it's pretty exciting to, you know, to, to be sharing some new concepts here that are, could be very valuable in the way we're... We're managing our MarTech systems. Well, that makes sense. And I get eager. I love technology. So I see something <laughs> new and I want it and I want to implement it right away. And yeah, it's like, okay, slow down, take a breath. How does it fit in and, and think in the future? Do, will it, you know, will it connect with what you're doing? And, and in the long term, uh, how will that fit into the grand scheme of things? So yeah, it's a great concept. We do have a couple personal development questions we want to ask you before we let you go. Number one, who or what inspires you? It probably sounds a little uh, cheesy, but it's it's the truth. Um, in this business, I I love meeting companies and finding out what they do. There's this from the movie Cocktail. Remember, there's that scene where Tom Cruise is with um, this the female counterpart, and he pulls up that cocktail umbrella. And he's, um, you guys know what I'm talking about? I don't think I've ever seen Cocktail, yeah. oh, honestly. Really? Yeah. I know Tom Cruise has been on the move list. Yeah, it's been a long time. I'm, I'm well, not great at remembering. Anyway. And you know, I, yeah, you'll have to you tell know us. the little cocktail umbrellas that I'm yeah, talking oh, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. He holds it up and he goes, you know, there's some company that makes these these umbrellas. And, um, you know, and they're probably really good at it and making a lot of money. But, you know, and you think about all the you know things in the world. So I love part of the, uh, being in the agency world, being in marketing. I love meeting different companies, um, especially in West Michigan, and then you in, in in all these different niches. You know whether they're making fasteners or they're a healthcare provider. Um, I used to have a client where they they made antennas and their their products run are on the moon. Um, oh, wow. So there's you know there's a lot of really cool companies that do really cool things, and they're not you know it's like. There's there's the common you know brands that everyone thinks about, but there's a, a lot of these like little hidden gems where they're extremely successful, um, especially with West Michigan is a you know really rich automotive history um, and um, and a lot of other development and you know including the office furniture. So um, I I really enjoy you know meeting companies that you know are really quirky but super successful. Yeah. To me, that's that's uh, motivating. Yeah, it is inspiring when you can see just something as small as a cocktail umbrella a cocktail being super umbrella. successful, right? I mean, it just yeah. goes to show you, you know, all, all things are possible, right? I do. All I things love are it. possible. I, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, and you see the people on the team that that go into making those things. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. Number two, what is your favorite personal development, business, marketing, or I'll say technology related book since you like to play in the market? Digs new, so I'm reading a lot of books right now. The best book that I have ever read, I'm reading right now, is called Traction EOS, or Traction Enterprise Operating System is what EOS stands for, and I, I really describe it as like all the common business books that we've all probably read or that we sh all should read, really boiled into one, and it's it's delivered in a operating a manual. Uh, type format so it is for anyone running a business or thinking about running a business uh, it's awesome it's, it's one of the best books I've ever written in fact it's one where I'm actually like writing in it and you know from from example org charts to 
how to plan, um, you know, your weekly meetings and your monthly and your quarterlies. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful book. You mentioned Stephen Covey at the beginning of the podcast is uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, also one of the books that you have I've read, read about for, but it's mentioned in EOS. Oh, okay. Uh, that's what's really neat about it is he actually verbatim kind of quote, you know, and, you know, from good to great is, you know, we talked about this when this is how you apply it. So it really is almost a collection of all these really good business books. Cool. It's one of my... One of my faves, a lot of great concepts, values um, in that one as well. All right, last one. If you could boil down what you learned in your career to one piece of advice for others, what would that be? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. From a marketing standpoint, I would say it's to be experimental, try different things. I know being in the agency world, a lot of times we, we get caught up, is this the right? We we overthink the strategy and uh, and the and the sometimes the tactics um, is to be experimental, you know, as long as it's safe, as long as you're not doing anything that would um, upset the client or upset your brand. Um, I think it's okay to try different things. I think it's okay to fail. In fact, failing quickly and failing cheaply um, is something that I believe in from a marketing standpoint. Um, from a personal standpoint, I would say everyone be nice to each other. <laughs> I know the golden rule. Yeah, um, I let everyone kind of live their own. I'm a very libertarian, so it's like whatever you guys want to do. So <laughs> most most of my advice would be all business related. <laughs> all right, Mike Simon, founder and CEO of Dig. Mike, thank you so much. Give us the website again if people want to reach out to you, have questions. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. It's uh, www.dig. Dot solutions. And we'll link to the website in the show notes. We'll also include all of the resources, um, the book that we mentioned, some of the slides from the outline of the tech talk that we had, which does have some really great graphics there. Also, uh, Marcy, thank you to you for digging up Mike at Dig. No <laughs> well, pun intended. No, I love it. <laughs> I know. That's why we named yeah, it. thanks, Mike. And thanks, Josh. Glad it worked out for us to be together today and to, for us to share this information. Yeah, Mike. Thank you again for your time, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch with you. Thanks for having me. Take care. We're online at amawestmichigan.org and active on social media, where you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The national hub for the American Marketing Association is ama.org, where you can also find a chapter near you. The Marketers in Motion podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at amawestmichigan.org, where we encourage you not only to subscribe and share our podcast, but review, ask questions, get involved, and engage with us. Don't forget important links, content, and resources will be included in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Marketers in Motion podcast, powered by the West Michigan chapter of the American Marketing Association. What will you do with the information you learned today? Be inspired. Be creative, be bold, set your marketing in motion.